Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. All right, we're in episode 14. In the eighth part of our fish series, we're looking at the F of fish. We've we've made it to the beginning of the acrostic. Yay! Freedom! <laughs> we'll look at this topic over two episodes. For today, we're talking about dealing with wounds from the past. So, hello, my father. Uh, hello, my daughter. It's good <laughs> to be back and doing this together. Always. So, I have an icebreaker question for you today. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite... Why am I nervous? Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite season? My favorite season uh, used to be summer. It's morphed into fall as I get older because I like the cool and the change and the anticipation of Christmas, I think, you know, mm-hmm. and all the things that go with that. So, but uh, when I was a kid, it was definitely summer, right? Because mm-hmm. you're off school and you're playing games. But, you know, now that doesn't matter, fall. When I was a kid, my favorite was spring, and now it is also definitely fall. So, yeah. huzzah. Huzzah. We are. Huzzah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, autumnal. I don't know what that makes us, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to the topic at hand. Um, you've made the statement, freedom is not simply a counseling or recovery issue. It is fundamental to discipleship. Could you develop that thought? Yeah. Um, for, well, first of all, I look back when I first came up with the name Deeper Walk for ministry, I was sitting at a coffee shop, which seems to show up in a lot of my stories. And uh, maybe I have a problem. But anyway, I was sitting in a shower shop and I was reflecting on my time as a pastor and asked the simple question, how many people could I look back at and point to who had a deeper walk with God from during the time that I was a pastor? And names started popping into my head. And as they did, I began to ask, you know, kind of in prayer and asking myself uh, and God kind of simultaneously, right? It's like, what what's the common denominator here? What uh, they have in common? What I realized was all of them had been in bondage and experienced some level of freedom that created a breakthrough event that allowed them to move forward and hang deeper in their walk with God. And I realized, you know, that's a fundamental discipleship issue, right? We had people who were stuck. They uh, wanted to go deeper in their walk with God, but something had them, you know, trapped. So they weren't able to do that. And so I realized that we got to find a way to get freedom into the heart of the discipleship process and not just make it something that we outsource constantly. Around that same time, I remember having a uh, meeting at a coffee shop (laughs) with a uh, pastor of a megachurch in the area. And, you know, he was the classic megachurch pastor who read all the leadership books and all that other stuff. And I remember him saying, I'm glad there's pastors like you out there, you know, who will deal with the demons and deal with the uh, hard stuff. He goes, that's just not me, right? I, I don't, you know, do that. And I remember another pastor in the area saying something very similar. Like if we even hinted that we had a way to help people experience freedom, like we have a boiling cauldron in our church that would just erupt. And I'm afraid we get overwhelmed, uh, which just points to the need that this is one of the biggest needs in the church, right? One of the biggest needs of the church is we have wounded people who are kind of trying to fake it till they make it because they haven't found what they're looking for in the church to help them uh, resolve the issues that have them stuck. Yeah. So today we are looking at the role of freedom in dealing with wounds from the past. Um, next next episode, we're going to dig more into spiritual warfare basics. But for today, I do want to look at freedom's role in, in healing wounds from the past so that you can live 
with greater freedom, redundancy department. Redundancy, redundancy. yes. Yeah. Memo from uh, the Department of Redundancy <laughs> Department, yes. Um, so one of the core models we teach at Deeper Walk is called WLVS, Wounds, Lies, Vows, Strongholds. And I think that first appeared in your Torta Deeper Walk book, and then people said we need more. And so then there is Understanding the Wounded Heart as a whole book, and it pops up everywhere. But it's just so core. I've literally used this model not only with myself and others when I, I've prayed with them, but even as an editor or as a teacher working with people like, oh, hey, this character is, has a wound and, yeah. you know, and here's the, I'm it's sadly common, isn't it? Right. Yes. And so anyway, um, it's very, very, very foundational. Um, would you take a look? Well, I, I look at them, something like this less as I invented it than I discovered it. Right. It's, and I'm not the first one. A, a lot of people have been talking about this uh, in various forms and various ways. Uh, I just happened to codify it in a way I could remember. And that's uh, what led to it. I remember like John Eldridge talked about the message of the arrows and the idea that Satan was not random where he shot his arrows at us. And he was aiming at our heart because he wanted to take something, take us out of the battle. So we wouldn't be a threat to him. And that uh, the message of the arrows, there was the idea that there's a wound that came with a lie, right? Uh, Ed Smith and Theophostic was talking about, you know, these wounds where the devil planted lies that felt true. And he, you know, he was one of the first people I heard really emphasize that idea of, lies feeling true and putting them on a scale of one to 10, like how true does that actually feel to you? And so, and, and again, you, I could go name names all over the place. There's, this is not a new idea with me. So we start with the idea that there are wounds and there are lies. That's the W and the L of WLVS. And then the next thing came out of there were, were vows. And the idea of a vow is this idea of a, an I will statement of how I am going to take control of my life, right? I will not. And you run into this all the time, right? I will not let anybody make me feel this way again. I will not let myself be put in this position again. And what we find is that there is a lot of us living on this very reactionary mode in life. I remember doing a uh, premarital counseling as a pastor and uh, sat down with this couple. And their only game plan for marriage was we're not going to do what our parents did. That was literally it. And uh, <laughs> As you do. Yeah. So it wasn't the... Uh, best game plan for, for life. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but they never came back. I do know that <laughs> it was, uh, so, um, vows is, this is again, this idea that, it, so I look at wound lie vow and I see wounds is like the world. The world wounds us. Lies is the devil, father of lies, the level lies to us. And then vows is the flesh. It's me trying to take control of my life. I will do this. And then the end result is, is strongholds. And that is, I am now stuck right? I mean, that's where we started with the idea of freedom, right? I need to get free from something that has me in bondage so that I can't move forward the way that I want to go. So that's WLVS. Uh, we sometimes call it wolves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can hear wolves in there. We call it uh, the demonic radio network, you know, WLVS, broadcasting all deception all the time, right? That sort of thing. So yes, I was going to bring us there to say, ah, people might notice that uh, yeah. <laughs> this WLVS isn't your normal acrostic, but d never fear. There are two, there are two sides. You could remember it like wolves or you can remember Yes, station. absolutely. So <laughs> it just, uh, you know, being from the uh, east side of the Mississippi River, well, WLVS was a logical thing. I haven't come up with a K word for wounds for the people on the west, but mm. maybe somebody will come up with that. Maybe so. All right. So in chapter four of A Deeper Walk, you lay out four strategies for emotional healing, building joy, forgiving, um, taking thoughts captive and listening prayer. 
that's a whole lot to cover here, but do you want to speak to the role of freedom in each of these strategies? So let me speak to the uh, role of freedom in the uh, four strategies. Uh, the first one, again, when we were talking about building joy, one of the things that I noticed was people would come and we'd take them through the steps to freedom. And some people, they would just turn a corner, never look back. And it was like, wow, life change. Or people would come in and we would pray with them about a wound in their past. And Jesus would meet them in that wound. They'd experience healing. And it was like something unlocked. They went forward and came back. But I realized there were a whole lot of other people who seemed to be just as bad off the next time I saw them as they were after they had this dramatic experience. Sometimes in as little as two or three days, they were right back to where they were. In fact, I've seen it in hours. You know, something triggered them and they were right back where they were. And so the question was, well, why? Why is this sometimes completely life-changing and other times not seem to have much fruit? And it was really, it was Dr. Wilder and the life model that gave an answer to this. And that was that there was this idea of capacity. So what we learned was that if people came with a relatively high level of emotional capacity to begin with, then helping them get freedom through either an inner healing experience or a spiritual warfare experience unlocked something and they were able to go forward. But if people came really low joy, uh, isolated, uh, low emotional capacity, then what would happen is they would have a, a an experience that would normally create breakthrough, but they were now free, but still an infant right? Free, but still with no capacity for joy. And so that was a capacity that had to be built up over time and required something more than counseling. And that was part of what I began to realize was that my model said, I should be able to provide everything you need in this counseling appointment as a pastor. And I began to realize that that's not true, right? There's no way I can do everything that everybody needs, you know, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. So that was really helpful. That's where that idea of build joy came from. Like tool number one is we got to help people build joy. And sometimes people have to build joy before you can actually do the other work with them. And sometimes doing the other work is what frees them to begin building the joy. It can work both directions. Uh, let's see. The second one is forgiveness and taking thoughts captive. So let's start with taking thoughts captive. That one for me was kind of a metaphor for spiritual warfare for people. I didn't want to freak out with the term spiritual warfare, <laughs> but the idea of taking thoughts captive again is getting at the idea that there is a lie that has been planted here in this wounded place in my heart. I think it was Elaine Packle who talks about po pockets of pain inside and that we have pockets of pain in our heart where the devil has snuck into this lie or more than one lie, but it takes root now and that pocket of pain grows out to something. So at some point we got to do something about those lies. So taking thoughts captive is meant to encompass all of that. It's the idea of how do we, what is the spiritual warfare work we need to do to uproot the lies and to evict whatever spirits have been assigned to keep that lie alive in my life. So sometimes that's a, uh, a deliverance type of process. And sometimes that is um, simply recognize what's going on, taking authority over it and commanding it to leave. And so I'm like, well, let's start with offensive praying and just commanding this thing to go and saying, no, you got, I ask you to, you know, beat up whatever spirit is bringing this <laughs> my, thought my way. And so taking thoughts captive is largely the warfare part of this. And then forgiveness is just, you know, when you're dealing with wounds, one, uh, you're dealing, going to deal with forgiveness at some level. And so because I started with steps to freedom in Christ, started with, you know, step one, deal with the occult, step two, deal with deception, step three, let's deal with bitterness and forgiveness. Well, what I found was by step three, we were routinely, people were telling me about wound stories in their life. I was wounded this way. I was wounded that way. 
And so the steps were designed, well, let's forgive that person. So we would walk them through forgiveness. And I saw dramatic things happen in people's lives just by, you know, choosing to forgive. But it also became the logical launching point for dealing with wounds, lies, vows, and strongholds. And let's invite Jesus in to uh, do some healing at that wounded point in their life. So the 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 process kind of grew out of, well, while we're here and talking about these wounds, let's not just forgive these people. Let's see about bringing healing there. So that was where that came from. And and again, we, we take sort of a warfare approach to forgiveness. And that is this idea that we want to remove the legal right that demons have to be harassing us. And so there is a legal transaction taking place the way that we talk about forgiveness. And that is, I want to cancel the permission that I have given to the enemy by renouncing my bitterness and choosing to forgive. And now on the base of that, I look at it like I'm now filing paperwork in the court right here. I'm, I'm going up to the court of heaven. I'm filing my paperwork. You no longer have any claim here. Now that I've dealt with that, you got to get out of here in Jesus name. So that's sort of the warfare approach to forgiveness that we take. And then the, uh, the last one, right, was uh, inter- uh, listening prayer. And listening prayer, some, the steps to freedom itself was a listening prayer exercise, because what you would do is say, let's stop and ask Jesus, can you, would you bring to my mind any way in which I have given ground to the enemy through the occult, right? That sort of thing. And then you would ask people, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Let's write this all down. You know, let's, let, let's process it. Well, then we get to, well, let's go back to that wound memory that you uh, brought up of being wounded. And let's ask Jesus a similar question. Would you bring to my mind any wound that you want to heal today? Would you bring to my mind, you know, what what uh, began to feel true because of that that wound? Um, and we would make lists. So it was a very similar process to walking through the steps to freedom. And I often had you know a notepad right there, and I would just write them down. And I, I it was not uncommon to have four or five lies come up from a single wound, and I'd write them down. I'd ask scale of one to ten, how true does that feel? Uh, it was effective. Then we would invite Jesus to do something about that, and to see people's completely change what they believed because of of that experience was really phenomenal. So that's those are the four tools, right? Build build joy, take thoughts captive, forgive, listening, listening prayer. And honestly, I'm not sure it always matters what order those are in. Those are just tools in, in the box that we might want to use. Yeah. Okay. A couple of thoughts. Uh, one, uh, I don't know if we have brought up Steps to Freedom before specifically. Do you want to explain okay. what that is? So um, my father was the, your grandfather, right, was the international director of Neil Anderson's Freedom in Christ Ministries. So they were co, you know, partners in ministry, co-authors. And uh, the Steps to Freedom was a tool designed by Neil uh, to help the seminary students he was teaching at Talbot to get rid of some of their baggage before they went into ministry because he was watching all these guys get thoroughly educated and thoroughly equipped with ministry skills who are leaving seminary with still in bondage to pornography, still in bondage to you know rage and anger, still in bondage to their depression. And he's like, we got to help these guys experience some freedom before we send them out into ministry. And so that was actually the origin of that tool. It's got seven steps to it, which is the idea that we start with the occult, then we go to deception, then we go to wounds and forgiveness, then um, there's uh, pride, rebellion, habitual sin, and ancestral sin. So those are the seven things that it deals with. And we'll talk about it probably more in the next session. But uh, that was the tool that I used early when I was in my 20s, uh, and I would meet with people I would just walk them through that 
particular tool. So, you know, about 50th time I've taken somebody through there, began to combine that with the listening prayer tools and uh, found that this was a great kind of one-two punch, you know, the steps to freedom and uh, what we call real prayer, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to go back to listening prayer um, and talk about, you know, you, you frequently will say there's only one wonderful counselor and he's not me. (laughs) And, um, just, you know, as you were talking about, um, asking Jesus, what memory do you want to deal with now? What wound do you want to deal with now? And how important that is to, you know, you're not in control of that. You're the person who is processing the wound isn't as controlled. Like Jesus knows what you are ready for, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes it's not the biggest, darkest thing that you go to first. Sometimes it is, you know, what? No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had a tendency to want to fix people quickly, right? Don't we all? <laughs> and, you know, somebody would make an appointment. And like most pastors, what I found, it was people from other churches who would come to make appointment. But I, uh, as we start going through this this process, what I began to realize was, I would I could either take all the pressure on myself, like okay, this person is looking to me to help them. I need to do something, um, or I can take that pressure and hand it to Jesus as quickly as possible. So we would uh, basically walk them through the model and then walk them through a prayer process in which they are talking to Jesus and getting what they need from Jesus. They are the ones evicting the spirits. They are the ones doing this, and we're just kind of walking through a model. And I had uh, many people. And when they were done, thank me not only for what it did to help them, but for modeling what it looked like so they could do it on their own later. Um, But yeah, that was where that came from. Yeah. So we are actually coming to, to, toward the end of our time. Uh, Do you want to go through what real prayer is? Yeah. Real prayer, um, again, is a process and I wanted to be able to remember it without always having to have handouts in front of me. And so I use the acrostic real uh, and it's not that other kinds of prayer aren't <laughs> aren't real. It just was a way to remember it. And it's it's. I would tell people, ask Jesus what you need to remember right now. Just ask him for one memory. What's the one memory he wants you to remember right now? That was the R. Then E, let's explore that memory. And we would again ask Jesus, what do I need to remember about this memory? Because I don't want to pull up all the painful stuff they don't need to remember. So it's Jesus, what do you want me to remember as I explore this with you? And I would specifically ask, what are the nonverbals that you remember about this? And then what were the verbals? What were the things that began to feel true? And then that's, and so I would write down things from both on the, on the pad of paper. And we would ask on a scale of one to 10, you know, how big, big is that? And it was not uncommon to have people say that was a 12 or that's a 20 or, you know, there's just way past a 10. That's absolutely bedrocked the way I live. Um, Once that's a sign that something really powerful and profound happened, then we would go to A and that's just ask. You know, let's ask Jesus, what would you like to do now to heal this memory that you brought to my my mind? And once you ask you, L, listen. So you we would have them close their eyes and revisit the memory. And I basically asked for three things. I said, does anything change about the uh, what you what you feel? Does anything change about what you hear? Do you have any new thoughts? And thirdly, do you does anything change about what you see? And then we would push into those things. And then that's also where I would combine some spiritual warfare with this to do some testing and make sure we were actually dealing with the the Holy Spirit and not a counterfeit spirit. But it was uh, this this process uh, became kind of core to what uh, I did with most people to the point where I began reversing and dealing with 
real prayer first, instead of adding it to the steps to freedom, I began starting with real prayer and then dealing with something spiritual warfare oriented if we needed to. Mm-hmm. And But that's real prayer. It's remember, explore, ask, listen. Awesome. Well, next episode, we're going to be talking about the permission and authority aspects of spiritual warfare. For this episode, any concluding thoughts? I think, you know... I can remember my my dad saying on many occasions, he doesn't understand uh, people who oppose this, right? Who are like anti-spiritual warfare among Christians or anti-emotional healing through listening prayer. He said, I don't understand. His question was, how do you help these people? And uh, what do you do when somebody's in, in, in front of them? And honestly, the answer was that a lot of what they do is ineffective, what we're trying to do here is give people hope by giving them some tools that have helped a lot of people and not in the idea that it's always quick and painless, but that there is hope and there is a path. And that's the goal here that part of discipleship is getting people on a path to a deeper walk with God. And that path has to include growing in freedom. Mm-hmm. So that's where we uh, kind of launch here. Yeah. Well, and there's so many tools and, you know, we can't, not everybody needs the same tool. So we're trying to get all the different tools of freedom in front of people. So very good. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the trail today. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the Deeper Walk podcast and share with your friends. You can find more at our website, deeperwalkinternational.org. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.